Welcome to the Clayton Castle Podcast. I first want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who listens, everyone who partakes in the podcast. It really means a lot to me. And you're not going to be disappointed by this guest. He started his basketball career in Cincinnati, actually at Summit Country Day, before transferring to Walnut Hills his junior year. In a game against Piqua in the Flying to the Hoop Invitational, he scored a school record 51 points. In his senior year, he averaged 26.4 points per game, the most in Division I in Ohio. He spent a postgraduate year in Florida before going to UNC Asheville, where he was the Big South Freshman of the Year. He made the Big South All-Freshman Team and was a two-time first-team All-Big South. He then transferred to Baylor, On March 7th, 2021, he scored 35 points, including 10 three-pointers. Those 10 three-pointers are the second most in Big 12 history. And the big deal, the big thing, on April 5th, my birthday, by the way, (laughs) he won the national title, the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Tournament, the national title with the Baylor Bears. He has since signed with the Utah Jazz of the NBA. I am so happy to be joined by Mr. Maceo Teague. Maceo, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Maceo, it's good to be here. And uh, I mean, uh, Clayton, it's good to be here. And, um, and yeah, man, just happy to, that you have me on today. Well, thanks, man. You know, I've been, obviously, I've been following your career since you were at Walnut. And it, I was kind of, I'm just taken back because you have such a fascinating story, a fascinating career path. You know, you didn't go to a big time school at first. You transferred to Baylor you spent a, p- a postgraduate year, you know, that's not your typical path to the NBA, but you did it. And yeah. so I wanted to get you on to a little talk about that. So I want to start at the beginning. When did you start playing basketball? What got you interested in the sport? Uh, I started when I was young. Uh, my parents just put a basketball in my hand uh, when I was growing up and that got me just really uh, interested. I just always loved being around the game. I've always been competitive. So uh, I think that's what it was. When did you know that you wanted to do this for a living? When did you know that you were actually good at it and you can make, you know, you can make some progress on this and really do something with it? Uh, at a young age, uh, I felt like I was always wanted to play basketball. And I feel like if you got the will uh, to do something and it's, uh, the desire to get better, then uh, it's only up from there. So I uh, just wanted to continue to just perfect my craft and just continue to work as hard as I could. You know, you were a big star at Summit Country Day before transferring to Walnut Hills. What was the idea behind transferring to Walnut Hills? I know you were close with Coach Hill, Coach Ricardo Hill. Um, what was kind of behind that decision? Um, just felt like well, when I was at Summit Country Day, just, um, just had like a lot of games where we blew teams out. Like the games weren't as competitive and I wanted to play better competition. Uh, and I feel like that was like the main uh, deciding factor. They had a great uh, academic school or they're a great academic school. So those are uh, two of the things that made me a uh, factor in uh, just transferring to Walnut Hills. Now you talk about that tougher competition. I feel like when you were there and, you know, right before you were there, Coach Hill had um, Isaiah Johnson, who obviously went on to go play at Akron. Uh, yeah, Akron. And the school was just coming off, a, I think, a year or two after um, making their first final four in Ohio. Talk yeah. a little bit about that tougher competition that you had at Walnut. You know, I know you were playing LaSalle, you were playing an ECC, which was re- always tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, just playing, uh, just playing different guys around the city that I knew. Uh, I feel like in the, 
at, at Summit. I'm not sure what the conference was. The Miami Valley, I'm not really sure yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. But like, we used to beat everybody by like 50 points. I mean, we did have a really good team. I mean, we had Kevin Johnson and uh, Tom, Antonio Woods. We had Evan Davis. Like, I mean, we had a really good team. But at the same time, like, I felt like we could have played other teams to where uh, it made our uh, games harder. So it just felt like, I couldn't tell you any of the teams we played off the top of my head. I don't really remember that, but I do remember uh, the games being a little bit more tough. Take me to that game in the flying to the hoop where you score 51 points against Piqua. What was that moment like for you, knowing that not only did you break a school record, but you also scored the second most points ever in that um, in that event, which obviously is an event that showcases some of the best talent in high school basketball around the country. What was that moment like for you? Man, that was pretty fun, actually. Uh, one of the funnest games I played in. Uh, I just remember uh, the ball going through the hoop, and I just remember uh, this dude named Corey. Yeah, he's my teammate, Corey Davis. He's like, bro, you just need to get uh, – what did he say? He said you need uh, 13 more points so you have uh, 40. I think that's what he told me uh, at, at halftime, I think. So I just remember, like, stuff like that. And I remember at the last time out, my coach, Coach Carter, was like, hey, uh, he sent me out the game. And I think I had 48 at the time. And I was like, oh, leave me in so I can get 50. <laughs> and uh, I think it was Corey Davis. Matter of fact, that's exactly what it was. He was like, hey, I'll sit out. I'll sit out. So uh, Coach Carl was like, hey, man, hurry up. So I, it was like, <laughs> the, I think we played one offensive possession. I didn't shoot. Then the very next one, I got a steal and scored in transition. And uh, that, that's, that was my 50th point. So, yeah, uh, so just like. Um, like that was just like one of the craziest days of me playing basketball. Pretty fun. Talk a little bit about playing for Coach Hill because you know he's big on the AAU circuit. He produces great talent, both from the AAU circuit and from Walnut Hills. Great NBA or you know high Division One caliber players. What's it like playing for him? Uh, Coach Carter was really fun playing for him. I mean, he's really one uh, big reason I'm here today. Now, he got my confidence really high uh, playing for him, just uh, having trust in me. And that was the first time, like, the coach really trusted in me the way Coach Carter did uh, on a varsity level. So, um, yeah, I just appreciated playing for Coach Carter. Uh, he, like, still a lot of confidence in me, and that helped me out today. You go to UNC Asheville, and you are a stud there. You, I've, As I said, you were – um, Big South freshman of the year, Big South all freshman team, two time first team all Big South. What was that experience like at Asheville? No, uh, it was pretty fun uh, playing at Asheville. I remember when I got there, I didn't really know if I was going to play much. Like it was a new environment, uh, just being around older guys. Uh, but those guys took me under their wing and uh, kind of showed me the ropes of the school. And uh, just, I just remember uh, we played our first scrimmage. I think I remember I had 11 points. I played 31 minutes. I played a ton in the first scrimmage, and that was surprising to me because I really didn't, like, think I was going to play that much. And I started the first scrimmage. Now I think about mm-hmm. it. You know, um, and I had, like, two turnovers. But I remember I was super nervous uh, the entire time. But uh, Coach Nick was just telling me, like, he was just, hey, take care of the ball. And um, we played ETSU. And I said, we lost the scrimmage, but I played decent. And uh, when I remember when I spoke to him, he was just like, hey, that wasn't bad. And I remember we played our first game. I don't remember how many I had, but I just remember like the first game uh, to the second game, I got better. The second game to the third game, I got better. Third to the fourth, the fourth to the fifth. And then I think we played Kansas and I like, uh, like had like a, just an okay game. It's like they like overmatched his talent wise and stuff like that. But uh, like I just felt my confidence like increasing as the uh, games went on. What's my your definition? Sorry, what's your definition of an okay game against Kansas? Was it still like 15 points though? <laughs> only, only at nine. Uh, was, oh, okay. 
Yeah, I was like three for seventh on the floor. I had like three threes and I was it. So you transferred to Baylor. What what was it about Baylor? So correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually had offers from I think Xavier, Louisville, all these you know high Division one schools. What was it about Baylor that made you want to go there? Uh, honestly, they had a place for me to play. Uh, going into school, they had a, a like um, like they had Jake Lindsey leaving. He was a senior. Kim McClure was a senior. Um, somebody else I'm forgetting. Um, oh, Makai Mason was a senior. They were all graduating. And I just thought that there was like an opportunity for me to go in and play right away. Like Ohio State, they offered me, they had like four guards on their team that were going right. to be returning a year. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. Uh, Xavier, they had um, they had Najee Marshall returning and Paul Scruggs, I think, returning. And I, mm, they might have had somebody else the year that I would have played there. And I was just, I don't know if that would be a great fit. So that's part of the reason, a lot of the reason I didn't choose Xavier. But uh, yeah, it was just Baylor had a, a great opportunity. I felt like the coaches loved me and that's why I went there. Now you had to sit out a year due to transfer rules. What did you learn in that year that you had to sit out? Uh, I finished better at basket. I uh, learned how to finish better uh, around the rim. I know I missed a lot. I was like in one of the uh, like the fifth percentile in the country finishing around the rim in the half court. And I think I um, I don't remember what my percentage was, but I know it went up like six percent from my sophomore year to my junior year and then it went up another like six percent my junior year to senior year so like that was one of the things I really honed in on my uh, red shirt year. Um, playing at Baylor you played under Scott uh, coach Scott Drew what was he like to play under because he you know he's been a big name at Baylor for I think almost a decade now what's it like to play for Scott Drew? Yeah coach Drew he's been really fun uh he was really fun to play for uh he really adapted to uh the players he had on his team I felt like he spent a lot of time uh, recruiting guys and uh, getting to know guys and just putting the the program together so we could uh, be like the all like all the pieces could fit together in a puzzle. And I feel like he and the staff did a really good job at uh, finding those pieces and putting us together. But I enjoy playing for Coach Drew. Now your junior year at Baylor, you guys had a great team, but obviously there was no NCAA tournament because of COVID nineteen. Yeah. What drove, and then you actually declared for the NBA draft and then decided to withdraw and return to Baylor. Was it, what was the reason behind that? Was it kind of the sense of like unfinished business? Was it, you know, there was more to accomplish? What behind, went behind that reason of returning for your senior year? Uh, I felt like I can increase my stock uh, going back to Baylor. Uh, through playing through the NCAA tournament, uh, there's a lot of eyes on you in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like I could just like um, just show more of what I could do uh, the following year. Uh, so that was the real reason I returned to Baylor. And I felt like we had a really good chance to uh, go deep in the tournament and just uh, continue to win a lot of games and uh, be in the eyes of uh, NBA executives. And this Baylor team this past year, the senior year, it was loaded. Obviously, you had yourself, you had Jared Butler, you had Mark Vital. Is it Vital? Vital. Vital. And you and Davian Mitchell. I mean, this team was just explosive on every end of the court, on both ends of the court, every area of the game. Did you know, did the team know going into the season, like this could be a special year? Yeah, we knew that the year before that though. Uh, so when everybody got back together, uh, aside from Freddie Gillespie and Devontae Bandu, uh, we felt like we really had a really good opportunity to uh, win a ring and uh, to just be a national championship, contend, not only a contender, but win it all. How did it feel to play basketball this past year with COVID-19? And, you know, obviously the NCAA tournament was reduced capacity at most games, actually at all games. And, you know, what, what was it like playing basketball in those kind of conditions? 
Uh, it was pretty fun, uh, regardless, like being in a bubble. Uh, well, I just go to the games before that. Like, it was cool uh, just like having half the amount of fans there. Like, it really didn't bother me. The thing that I liked the best was like this uh, seating on a bench. You know, when you come out to games, like it's like space in between the seats. Like, usually you're over there cramped up and stuff because everybody's like shoulder to shoulder. But um, yeah, you like and they, during the games uh, this past year, you had like a lot of space. And then um, like as far as fans, like I didn't really feel like an impact uh, by the fans at any game uh, except from Kansas. Like that was like a big difference because Kansas is like habitually the loudest uh, arena that we play in all year. Um, and you know, it was pretty quiet in there. Like you can hear yourself talk, like you can hear like, you can hear each other, you can hear coaches calling play calls and stuff. Like Kansas, it really isn't like that. And we were ranked uh, second when we went there and played them and it wasn't like really loud in there at all. Like, if, uh, and they won the game when we played there. So it, like, I can only imagine what the noise would have been like with the, fa- with the fans atmosphere, everybody screaming at uh, us because they had just upset us. So um, yeah, KU, that was like a really big difference for the March Madness, the tournament being in the bubble was pretty fun though. I liked it <laughs> uh, being in there with, uh, without any distractions and stuff like that. It was just a month. So I didn't really feel like anything was wrong with it. Uh, some guys are like really tired of being in the bubble, but I didn't really have a problem with it because like I just enjoyed being around other guys. We had like games and stuff, like board games. Uh, we like hung out with each other a lot, played the games, going room to room. It was just like a really strong bond being in the bubble. You know, you kind of talk about the bubble in Indianapolis and in Indiana. There's a picture of you from the tournament that kind of went viral. Of not not a game picture. Yeah. You know what picture I'm talking about to ask about? The picture of you in the stands. I think it was either before a game or after, I think it was before a game yeah. of you all alone in the in this section reading a book. <laughs> First of all, what were you reading? In a game of tennis. When did you find out that that picture just kind of blew up? Uh, it was after the game. Um, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't see it on the internet before the game. But uh, before the game, I was in the stands reading. And... Um, I was actually like, like they caught me reading because like I was like watching the game and reading because like they uh, whatever game was on before us like the crowd like kept getting super loud so I like kept glancing up to see what was going on in the game that was one thing that was distracting me but the cameraman was like he like as I was reading the book he was like hey is that Macy Oteague so I like, soon like naturally here's my say that so I looked over there and uh, it was like the cameraman he like I saw him like turn the camera towards me and I was like oh this is pretty awkward. Um, but yeah, so I just kept reading. Then I saw the, uh, the book went or like the picture went viral. So, uh, and I played pretty bad that game too. So like the next game, I, uh, instead of me like sitting right there, like I went in the stands cause we were a Butler and they had like a whole bunch of seats blocked off and it was right. too loud in the locker room. So I went all the way around like the, the court and like sat behind, like I looked to make sure like it was no cameras, like they could see me reading the books. And I went and sat behind cause like that wasn't my intention. Like for people to like see me reading the book, I just wanted to read it uh, before the game just to like calm my mind. And, uh, yeah, so I just uh, went around, uh, the block to do it. But, but, uh, yeah, so that was, it was not really like, me trying to like get attention from it like they just happened like paying into me reading the book and yeah i saw people like making fun of it and like people laughing at it and people loved it so yeah oh i loved it because it it kind of made me feel like man he totally did go to walnut that's so it's such a walnut hills thing to do you know you're a big yeah. star basketball player and yet you're still reading so do you like to read like uh, i just read just like mental strength books stuff like that just oh okay your mom. Okay. Well, I, I just wanted to ask you about that. Cause I just thought that was so funny. Um, and, but awesome, funny, not like making fun of you funny, but, <laughs> um, so another thing I want to ask, obviously I want to go back a little bit to March 7th, obviously the game against 
Oh, who were who were you playing when you scored the the ten three pointers? Uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. That's right. That was in the was that in the tournament or was that in the regular season? That was the regular season. Okay, I, I couldn't remember. It was senior night, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, it was senior night. Okay, so you scored thirty five points, ten three pointers. You know, as the second most in Big Twelve history. How many three pointers did you know? Do you like you were in a groove? <laughs> like you could do this. You can hit. You know, you can just keep going. I don't know. Like I just remember at halftime, I was uh, a three for four from three. But on one of the threes, I like airballed and uh, the guy hit my like he like hit my forearm when I was shooting it. So I like missed like a foot away from the rim, and uh, like it wasn't even like short. It was like literally like a foot to the left of the rim. So like, it was nowhere near going in. And like I looked at the ref, the ref looked at me. So in my mind, I was like three for three. And um, I remember coming out of halftime. I was like, "Yo, like shoot one." I said, "You ain't missed yet." He was like, "You three for three right now." So I came out of halftime. Uh, JB threw me one uh, when I was running transition. And the whole time I was like, if he throws it, I'm shooting it. No, he threw it to me and I shot it and I hit. So then uh, the very next time, I think I was open, I shot it again and I hit it. And then I think it was like, might have been a media timeout. And this guy, his name's Rim. He came up to me, he was like, hey, use it to lose it, 3-1. Use it to lose it, you hot, keep letting go. So uh, so like, yeah, I just shot the next one. I hit it again. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm about to keep shooting until I miss. And uh, like every time out, like Rim was like coming up to me, like poke, poking me in my chest, like use it or lose it, use it or lose it. He said, after this game, you're not going to be as hot, use it or lose it. So uh, I, every time I was like, saw the, like saw the rim and my teammates were on the sideline saying like, let it fly. So I was just letting it go as, uh, as much as I could. Have you ever had a streak like that before in your career at any level? In a game? Yeah. Like, have you ever felt that, like, that hot? Like, you, you can't miss? Nah, that was seven threes in a row uh, during that <laughs> game. So I, I had never made seven threes in a row in a game. Oh, my gosh. So, you play at Baylor. You play in the Big 12. Obviously, you probably know by now that Cincinnati, the Bearcats, are going to the Big 12 here in, I think, two or three years. Can you yeah. give us a little bit of insight about the competition level in the Big 12? Obviously, Baylor just won the national title the year before, Texas Tech. Um, was in the final four and you know, you had Bill Self in Kansas. You had Bob Huggins in West Virginia. Can you talk a little bit about the competition of basketball in the big 12? Uh, that's a lot of competition. Uh, as you guys know, that is probably like five teams in the big, in the big 12 that are ranked in the top 25 every year, like throughout the entire year. Uh, so like, it's a pretty strong conference. Um, like it's like really no off nights uh, when you're playing. I mean, we're down 17 to Iowa State. I mean, we're coming off a COVID pause for three weeks, but I mean, we're down 17 to Iowa State at home um, in, at the end of February. So, I mean, like in, uh, in Iowa State, was like only 14 at the time in the conference. So, like, it's like no down nights uh, when you're playing against teams. So, uh, you just got to be locked in. So, it's a lot of competition. It's a lot of talent. Uh, and it's a lot of like, and because of that, it's like a lot of NBA executives. So, you got to play well every single night because, like, most guys in college want to go to the league. And um, there's like NBA personnel, they're watching every single night. It's not like uh, you playing, what is Xavier? They're in the Big East. I mean, not Xavier. What's, um, no, they're in the AAC. They're in the, yeah, the American. Uh, like, I don't even know, like, another basketball team in the conference in the American. So, like, it's just a lot of talent night in and night out is the point I'm trying to make. What's sad about conference realignment is it's so driven by football because in all those teams that I mentioned about being a strong basketball conference, at no time did Texas or Oklahoma, you know, come out of my mouth. And so, like, even when Cincinnati, UCF, Houston is, a, is another big one because I think they made the Final Four this year, I believe. You know, so that's already that's still going to be a great basketball conference, even after 
Texas and Oklahoma lose. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so thank you for giving us that insight into the big 12. Now, April 5th, big title game. You're going into this game against an undefeated Gonzaga team. I feel like almost no one was giving you, we're giving you guys a chance because, you know, Gonzaga was coming in so hot. They were undefeated. What was the mindset of yourself and Baylor going into that national title game? Uh, we're better than them. Uh, we're, like, we shouldn't lose the game. Like They can't guard us, but we can guard them. Was there a specific game plan for how to attack Gonzaga? No. Like, attack anywhere. Like, there was no like specific game plan, like just attack. Like, everybody was like, because like, they're, they're a team, like they want to score a lot of points. Like they're like the um, the Kansas City Chiefs um, in the year, I think. Like they would score all those points, but teams would score all those points against them too. So like um, I think that it was the might have been a year before they won the Super Bowl. I think it was that year where uh, they had like they just let up a lot of points. You know, we felt like that that's what they're like. But we felt like our defense was good enough to stop them. But our offense was great enough to score against them as many times as we wanted to. And um, yeah, so like that's how we felt the entire time. Now you scored 19 points in the national title game. How do you feel about your performance in that game? No, I played pretty well. Uh, my coach actually like sat me down. I guess like just in a message, but he sat me out and like from like the it had to be from like the 16 minute mark to like the nine minute mark, which is like long from my rotation because usually I go back like I come out at uh, 16 and I go back into like 12. But yeah, he sat me out longer than that uh, period of time, and um, and yeah, like I just knew when I came back in the game, I had to like play better design. I didn't think I had shot the ball yet. No, I was like, yeah, you got to be aggressive when you get back in there. And uh, I played pretty well uh, throughout the rest of the game. Now, if I remember correctly, you guys got off to a really hot start in that game too. I think it was like a, I don't know, I'm I'm spitballing here, but like a 19 to four run to start the game. If I if I remember correctly, like you guys were in the driver's seat from basically the start. Yeah. Did, did you guys know pretty early on that you guys had that game? Yeah, we uh after every media we had won every media I think in the first half, maybe not the last one. But uh, like Coach Drew was like, yeah, we haven't lost the media yet. Keep winning the media. Uh, keep winning the media. He just kept telling us to do that. And uh, we were pretty locked in, like, throughout every, like, media timeout. Like, we just wanted to win really bad. Is that kind of how you guys approach each game, that each four-minute increment, because if those who don't know, media timeouts are every four minutes, so, like, the 16-minute mark, the 12-minute mark, eight-minute mark, four-minute mark. Do you guys approach kind of, like, each increment as, like, its own little game? Like, you have to win that four-minute increment. Yeah, we try to win every media. Uh, you win every media, you win the game. I mean, it's more it's easier said than done, but that was the goal, though. So you guys win the national title. What, take me in those moments, you know, after that final buzzer. What was it like to just stand there as a national champion? Uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, just uh, being, just sitting there. Like, I remember I was sitting on the ground. But, um, but like, it was cool. Like, when, uh, when the confetti came down, like, holding up the trophy, uh, like the, going to get our phones, you know, on Instagram live and stuff like that. Uh, just like recording stuff, like everybody tagging you, um, your social media, you're blowing up. Like it was pretty fun uh, just being in that type of environment, that type of atmosphere. And uh, I just really enjoyed it being there with my brothers. Talk a little bit about that team. You know, obviously those players that I mentioned, Jared Butler and all of those guys, what was it like to play with those guys who a lot of them were drafted and are going to be playing in the, in the NBA with you? 
Uh, yeah, it's pretty fun playing with them. Uh, got some more guys. It's going to get drafted this year, uh, no doubt in my mind. But it was pretty fun playing with them. They practice is really competitive. Uh, just enjoy being around uh, competitive guys and uh, guys with the like-minded, with the same mindset as me. Uh, just want to achieve our goals uh, individually and as a team, but uh, coming together to do it. You go into the draft, you you declare for the draft. Unfortunately, you were not drafted, but you did sign a contract with the Utah Jazz and played on their summer league team. And you just yeah. I remember you just balled. I watched a couple of the games. You balled out in the summer league. I mean, you were a stud in that. I think I saw main list where like you were one of the top players who stood out in the summer league. What was it like to play in this in the NBA summer league, playing with guys who are gonna be are gonna be playing at that NBA level? I mean, it was cool. I mean, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it was just a game to me. Uh, none that I haven't seen before. Uh, guys that put their pants on the same way I put mine on. So, uh, like, just going out there competing to my to the best of my abilities and just uh, just trying to win and uh, be a team guy. Now, the Utah Jazz, tell us a little bit about that team and what we can expect from the Jazz this season, especially with you on the team now. Uh the Utah Jazz like won a lot last year, and uh, I don't really know mm-hmm. what to expect uh, going into the year. Uh, the guys are just getting back, everybody, so uh, I'm not really sure what exactly to expect. Uh, so I can't give you anything on that, but uh, hopefully, it's a great thing. Have you seen a difference in kind of the way you guys practice, the way you guys approach the game between the NCAA level, NCAA level, and the NBA level? What are some of the differences between the college game and the NBA game? Uh, between the game, uh, the game is just faster. People are bigger, uh, more athletic. Um, like I would say those are like really the main differences that I've noticed so far, uh, just being out here for a few weeks. Now, as I said, I'm going to kind of end it with this. You know, you took a very unique path to the NBA. You went to two high schools. You went to a, a postgraduate year. You went to a big South school and then obviously ended up at Baylor winning the national title. What do you tell kids who may not have an obvious path to the NBA, kids like yourself who did not get that big Division One scholarship out of high school? What will you tell those kids? What, what's some advice uh, you would give them? Uh, regardless of what the circumstances look right now, just continue to work because uh, tomorrow might be the day that you break through. Uh, so just continue to, to just try to operate at a high level because uh, you never know who's watching and when your opportunity may come, you got to be ready to seize the moment because that might be the only opportunity you get. Maceo, this was a blast. Thank you so much for joining me and best of luck going into the season with the, with the uh, Utah Jazz. Uh, that'll be it. And we will be right back. Yes, sir. Thank you. Welcome back to the Clayton Castle podcast. I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Maceo Teague as much as I did recording it. He is such an awesome guy to talk to. Of course, it is just an honor to interview and talk to a national champion from the March Madness tournament. If you remember this past tournament, it was upset after upset after upset. 
And, you know, with UC and Xavier and NKU not being in the tournament, I was really pulling from for Baylor from, from day one because of Macy Oteague and his connections to the tri-state area, his connections to Walnut Hills. And with all these upsets, I was kind of nervous that they were not going to make it to even the Final Four, let alone the National Championship game, let alone winning the National Championship game. And so the fact that they made it, the fact that they won it, the fact that they beat an undefeated Gonzaga team that many predicted would just take it all, win it all, you know, it was just an honor to talk to Macy Oteague. Again, he scored 19 points in that game, and he really represented Cincinnati well on the big stage. So with that, I have nothing new on the blog this week, but you can always go back and check out what has been written. Obviously, the last episode with Howard Wilkinson has the blog post with all of his stories about Ohio redistricting, about his September 11th story, and you can obviously go back and check out all the other posts as well with Mike Morosky, with Jamie Castle. The blog can be found at claytoncastlepod.blogspot.com. And again, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Remember to hit like, hit subscribe, hit follow, whatever it is on those apps. Um, and be sure to tell your mom, your dad, your uncle, your grandma, your your second cousins twice removed, your friend, your best friend, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever. Just let them know that they should check out the podcast because I love doing this podcast and I love talking to these people. And I really believe that these stories are important to tell and get out there. So again, thank you for supporting me. Thank you for continuing to listen and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.